Colossians chapter 1. Our verses this evening are going to be verses 9 through 12. This is the word of the Lord. Give it your full attention. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not yet ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Give me thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word and now to the preaching of His Word. Saints, you may be seated. Last time we were together in this wonderful letter, we considered the words of, rather, these, this opening introduction to these Christians in Colossae. And what we saw is the way in which, or rather, what Paul heard of these Christians in Colossae is what drew him to write a letter to these Christians. Not only that, of course, the things that were going on in Colossae, uh, the heresy that was that was sprouting out, but also it was who these Colossae Christians were. And if you remember, the thing that we see Paul uh, highlighting about these Christians is not necessarily how theologically smart they are. It wasn't necessarily, saints, how big of a church that they were. But what made Paul, or rather what what Paul highlighted about these Christians was two things. Was their faith and their love. Was their faith and their love. If there's anything that we should be recognized for, it is our faith and our love for one another. And here... As Paul closes this uh, this introduction to these Colossae Christians before he gets into uh, his high mountain uh, description of our Christ and what he has done for us, he gives these Colossae Christians uh, a sense of his pastoral heart. Uh, we see the pastoral heart of Paul here on display. Of course, Paul is not their pastor. Epaphras is the one that started this church here. But we see the pastoral heart of Paul on display. And we see that in verses 9 through 12. Verses 9 through 12. And saints, the main point of this sermon, what I want you to get out of this sermon is simply this. Is are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? What does it mean for us to be a Christian? We, 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 Touched upon that last Sunday evening, but but here Paul also gives to us four ways in which we can recognize that we are of the faith. Saints, the question I have for you is, do you want to live in a manner worthy of the Lord? Do you want to live in the way, in, the way in which God has prescribed for you to live in His Word? Now you might say, that might be impossible for me to live in a manner worthy of the Lord, but saints, let me reminds you that the same Holy Spirit, of course, in less degree and less measure, but the same Holy Spirit that indwelt our human Christ also indwells you. That you can and truly in this life live the way in which God has prescribed for you to live. You can live the divine life. You can live a godly life 
here on this earth. The sins that continue to overcome you. You can overcome them. You can overcome them. And so, we'll consider how to live in a manner worthy of the Lord. As Paul comes to a close in his opening remarks in this letter, again, we see his pastoral heart on display. And we see um, what Paul was, was praying with regard to these Christians. First, he says that he has not ceased praying for them. He says that in verse 9, that since we heard about them, or it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled. Here, saints, we see what we ought to do when we are of the faith is that we are to pray for one another. Pray for one another. But notice, saints, that it wasn't just a one-time thing that Paul did with regard to prayer and uh, and these Colossae Christians. But Paul was always praying for these Christians. He was always praying. He, again, he says, I have not ceased to pray for you. And saints, this is something that we are to take note of. Uh, John Davenant says, I'm going to be, I'll quote him a few more times, so get used to his name. The best method of declaring our love and affection consists in this, that we pray for those whom we love. Again, the best method of declaring our love and affection consists in this, that we pray for those whom we love. I remember hearing a story from one pastor who said that he visited his, and you've heard this story before, that he visited his, his uh, one of his members that was sick in the hospital and as he was leaving the hospital, he told this member, man, I wish I could do more for you. And the, the lady sort of rebuked his pastor and said, Pastor, let me tell you that you've done more for me than what all of these nurses and these doctors could do for me. And what is that thing? You've prayed for me. You've prayed for me. Praying for someone, saints, is the best thing that you can do for someone. Praying for someone is the best thing that you can do for someone. John Davenant says, For to love is to wish good to another, not for our own, but for his sake. And to truly love is to wish real blessings to another. But real blessings are these spiritual ones. Saints, how many times when we pray for one another do we pray for merely just physical blessings? Physical blessings. Not to say that we aren't to pray for physical blessings. But saints of God, when we pray for one another, what we are to pray for is spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. That God will preserve, Lord, preserve this Christian. Help this brother and sister in Christ. Whatever sin that they're dealing with, Lord, please help them stop that. Help her stop that. If there's anything, saints, that we could pray for, in fact, the top thing that we should pray for when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, it should be spiritual. Spiritual. Now, what exactly is Paul's prayer for these Christians? What exactly is Paul praying for? Verse 9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. First, we have to note that Paul was very specific, very intentional with his prayers toward these Colossian Christians. It wasn't just a generic prayer, but it was a specific prayer about them. Here Paul prays that these Christians are to know God's will. For what? in order to live for God. Know God's will in order that they may live for God. And this will of God that Paul's referring to, saints, is what's called God's revealed will. His revealed will. In other words, how do we know 
how God wants us to live in this life. If someone wants to ask you, how does God want you to live in this life? Where is the source? Where do we go? Uh, do we look at all the various theological textbooks that have been written um, since the closing of the canon to find out God's will? No. In fact, we look to God's Word. God's Word to find out what our will is. God's Word. God's Word is the source. It is the only source. Rather, I can say, it is the preeminent source. Of course, there are subservient sources. We can look at various theological textbooks. We can look at our confession of faith and all those other things. But saying it's the primary source. Where we go to look for how we are to live unto God, it is none other than God's Word. God's Word desire, or tells us what God desires of us. Does the Word of God tell us what specific jobs He wants us to have? No. Does God's Word tell us uh, what specific color of clothes we are to wear? What specific foods we are to eat? No. But what God tells us, saints, is how we are to live in this life as Christians. That's what God's Word tells us. How we are to live as Christians. And saints of God, this is a glorious gift of God. Have you ever considered that? Just how glorious God's self-revelation of Himself really is. I mean, you've heard it this morning. You heard this morning, saints, that John was stretching out, trying to find words to, 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 to capture what he's seeing. He's trying to capture, essentially, the uncapturable. He's trying to describe the undescribable saints. And God, He, again, lisps to us, as Calvin wants to say, He lisps to us, and He baby talks to us. In order for us to understand Him, many Christians think that the Christian life is a jigsaw puzzle, a, a Rubik's Cube, that we have to figure out on our own. That God, saints, doesn't save us. Right? And then says... Now you go off and you figure out your way unto heaven. Praise God that He doesn't do that. God gives us a manual. God gives to us a heavenly roadmap. God gives to us an instruction book. Congregation, this is why searching the Scriptures to know God's will is of necessity. To know God's will is of necessity. How would one learn to walk? if they've never been taught? How would one learn how to speak if they're never spoken to? And God in His Word teaches us Christians how to walk as Christians. How to walk as Christians. Saints of God, it's easy, somewhat easy, to learn theology. It's very hard to walk as a Christian in this life. Very hard to walk as a Christian. And God teaches us how to walk. It's important to note that God teaches us how to live not just for an outward testimony. That's what people can see us, which is great. People can see us and say, who, who are you following? What are you all about? You're not like the others. Not that we can show that we are Christians, but that internally, that we are really of the faith. That we don't walk, we don't, we don't, we don't follow Christ, we don't live unto Christ merely just to show that we're Christians, but that we really are Christians. That this is who we are. 
And saints, we need to take ownership of that fact. Hear me now. Take ownership of the fact that you're a Christian. This is who you are now. Uh, me and my wife like to watch these shows about these, these people who are young and they get pregnant and they're trying to figure out, you know, I still want to live my young life, but also I got this baby coming on the way. And the parents always tell the father, you're a father now. You're going to be a dad. You need to take ownership of your fatherhood. You need to now take serious fatherhood. And saints of God, you're a Christian now. You're not of the world. You are not of the world. You are saved. We are Christians. And wear that. You know, you see those people in the military. They have all their badges and all the things that they've done. Saints of God, we have a badge that we should wear on our foreheads so that everyone could see that we are saved. That we are saved. Saints, this is why Paul is praying for these Christians. Or rather, why is Paul praying for these Christians? Why is he doing so? Why is he doing so? Verse 10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is why Paul prays. That they will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that they will take ownership of their Christianity. That they will say, I am Christ. I am with Christ and in Christ. And Christ is in me. Now notice, saints, Paul doesn't say, walk in a manner worthy of the Father. He could say that. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, walk in a manner worthy of the Holy Spirit. But rather, he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that we are to divide the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's a specific reason why Paul says the Lord. There's a specific reason why Paul mentions uh, giving thanks to the Father earlier. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And what Paul has in mind here is Jesus Christ. What Paul has in mind here is Jesus Christ. He means that our character is to match the character of Jesus Christ. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In other words, the one whom you confess with your mouths, Jesus is Lord, is the very same one whom you follow after. It's as if Jesus is walking with us, saints. And He is walking with us. But we are following after Christ's footsteps. We are putting our footsteps and trying to match our footsteps with Christ's footsteps. That's how we are to walk, saints. We are trying to match our footprints, our feet, with Christ's feet. The one whom we confess must be the one whom we model our lives after, Jesus Christ. That's a tall task, is it not? He's perfect. He never made a mistake. He's the eternal Son of God made man. He's given the Holy Spirit without measure. Follow in His footsteps. Is that possible? Well, Scripture is clear on this point. 1 John 2.6 Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 Peter 2.21 For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Why do we suffer in this life? Because Christ suffered. Simply put, so that you may follow in His steps. This is why Paul says, count on all joy, brothers. 
because our sufferings is to match Paul's sufferings. I mean, Paul's even going to say later here that we, that we fill up and what Christ's sufferings are lacking. We'll get to that eventually. And also, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is the beauty of this is the beauty of Apostle Paul. I mean, guys, if you want to learn, saints of God, if you want to learn spirituality, read St. Paul. St. Paul's aim in this life was to just follow Christ. Follow Jesus Christ at all costs. Follow his Savior. Following in the footsteps of Jesus, saints, should not be burdensome to us. It's a high mountain. It's a tall mountain for us to climb. But it shouldn't be burdensome. It should not be burdensome, but in fact, it should be of our greatest honor. This is our greatest honor. Many of us have known great men and women in our lives whom we have modeled our lives after in attempt to carry their legacy. Men and women carry their the legacy of their last name. I can remember my father always telling me that my last name is of importance, that walk in a manner worthy of being a rug now. Because you represent me. You represent your grandfather and your grandmother and your mother and all of those who came before you and who will come after you. Well, St. Paul's central point is simply this. If you believe in Jesus, if you have put on Jesus, then walk like Jesus. Simply put. We heard it this morning, saints, that what a legacy that would be left What great legacy that you can leave. That your very son and daughter, that the ones whom you're closest to, that the ones whom you were friends with even said, I worship the same God as my best friend. I worship the God of my friend. I worship the God of my father, of my mother, of my sister, and my brother. If you believe in Christ, walk like Christ. Walk in a manner worthy of Christ. You, I hear, you hear this all the time from me, and you'll hear it again uh, after the Lord's Supper. Lord, let us walk now as worthy receivers of the body and blood of Christ. Ask yourself, saints, this. Ask yourself this. That am I walking in a manner worthy of my election? Out of all those whom God could have saved, and you know who, might be your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your best friend, they not saved. Why? I don't know. God only knows. But ask yourself, since you are saved, ask yourself, am I walking in a manner worthy of being saved? Worthy of God choosing me out of the multitudes of people that he could choose, am I walking in that manner? How am I living? <clears throat> Are we walking in such manner? Congregation, this point is so central for us because we must continually ask ourselves this. Am I walking in a manner worthy of Christ? Am I walking like Christ? Which means, saints, you have to ask yourself, do you really want to walk like Christ? Do you have a desire to walk like Jesus Christ? I'm already presupposing that you want to, but already I know that there are some saints that they even wrestle with walking like Christ. Because if I walk like Christ, then I can't walk like my old self. And this is what 
St. Augustine would say that his sin would tell him and talk to him. When, it would, when he would rise in temptation, sin would tell him, you're going to leave me. And if you leave me, you might not ever see me again. Are you comfortable not doing the things that you used to do? And walking in the manner that you used to walk? Are you comfortable saying, bye-bye forever? I will never see you again. That's hard. That's very hard. But saints, you have the virtue of courage. You have the virtue of courage. Be courageous. Stand up to all whom you used to be and say, I will not be you anymore. And walk in a manner worthy of Christ. This is why, saints, I said we must take ownership of our salvation. Not merely that Christ has saved us, but now I'm different. But now I'm a different person. Are we walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Have we taken ownership of our faith? Saints of God, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Now, saints, why? Why do we talk like this? Why are we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Well, Paul says in verse 10, to please Him in all respects. Now, this is amazing. Is it not? To please Him in all respects. Now, why is this amazing? Why should this bring you joy, Christian? Well, although, saints... It is God who works in and through us. Nevertheless, He has graciously allowed our works. Again, God works in and through us. When God crowns us, He's really crowning Himself. But, but nevertheless, He's allowed our works to please Him. It's still your works. Although God works in and through you. God still allows you, though, to please Him. Saints of God, this shows how alive we are in Jesus Christ. This is why this this is why being a Christian means to be truly and authentically human. This is how alive you are in Christ that you can do something that you couldn't do before. Remember, Paul says in Romans eight eight, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How do we go from not pleasing Him? And Paul says here in Colossians, now you can please Him. How do we do that? You know the answer already. Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, now you can do something that you couldn't do before. You can please your Father in Heaven. You can please your Father in Heaven. John Davidson says that the person of a godly and faithful man is always pleasing and acceptable to God because he is regarded not by God, regarded by God not as he is in himself, but as a member under Christ the head. Because you are in union with Christ, God sees your works as pleasing. Now, saints, as we come to not a quite close close, but close. <laughs> Um, we have to ask this question. Now, how do we know that we're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Isn't that what we always want to know? Am I doing this thing right? Am I, am I truly living the way in which God has prescribed for me to live? How do we know? Where do we go? 
Paul gives us the answer. Paul gives us the answer of how do we know? And saints of God, when I give you these four ways, like I had to do to myself, and I still do to myself, and I will continue to do to myself. Saints of God, hear me now. Evaluate your life in light of these four ways. Evaluate your life in light of these four ways. And ask yourself, am I doing this? The number one, the number one way, or the first way, the first way of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is a living a fruitful life. Verse 10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him with all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Here Paul says that walking in a manner worthy of the Lord means to do good works. To do good works. Good works is not a scary word. It should not be a scary word. Good works is a good, good word. Words. <laughs> but there are some that say that good works have no room for the Christian life. That there is no need, no necessity of good works in the Christian life. And the logic is simply this. And it comes from those hyper-reformed guys. I want to say because we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, our good works contribute nothing to us being declared innocent before God, that there is no need for good works. Just believe, and you're good. But saints of God, that's, that's not true. That's entirely false. There is room for good works in our salvation. There is room for good works. In fact, a large room for good works in the Christian life. The scriptures are clear on this. James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the needs needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 2, verse 26 for as the body is apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Is it enough to believe in Christ and that's it? Well, James says that in order for one, or rather, when one believes in Christ, then good works necessarily follow. Calvin says no one will be justified in Christ without also being sanctified in Christ. You can't believe in Christ but not live like Christ. Simply put, you can't say you believe like Christ or believe in Christ. You can't say you're a Christian and live like the world. You must produce good works. Now, here's the here's the here's the big caveat, though. Your good works don't necessarily merit you heaven. We don't believe that. You don't believe that. Good works don't merit you Jesus Christ. But rather, what good works are, saints, is good works are the way in which God has called us to be as Christians. St. Paul makes this clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So saints of God, hear this. Your justification in Christ 
was predestined before the foundation of the world that you will be saved in Christ. But also, in addition to that, it wasn't that just you will be saved in Christ, but also you will live like Christ. That before you were saved, when God predestined you, elected you, called you, all these other things, He also predestined your good works. He also say, this this child of God here will not just believe in me, he will live like my son. But what's the purpose of good works, saints? What's the purpose for our good works? Again, we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. The big, big, big distinction. Always keep in your mind. You're not saved by good works. Many people want to be, you know, really weird. It's not weird. It's... it. We're not saved by good works, world. They say that we're not saved by works. We're saved by Christ's works, which is true. But we're not saved by our good works. We're saved for good works. What's the purpose, though, saints? What's the purpose of good works? Is it for us to be puffed up with pride? Is it for everyone to know about us? And for us to... Is that what it's for? For us to... For everyone to just see who we are? Consider the words of our Christ in Matthew 5.16. In that same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, saints, let your light shine. Why? Because your light is to be a mini reflection of God who is light. The, The psalmist says, in your light we see light. Right? We are to be mini lights here on this earth. The Holy Trinity, as was said this morning, indwells you. The Holy Trinity indwells you. And that indwelling of the Trinity is to radiate out from you. For to do what? So people can ask you, what's in you? Who's in you, rather? It's God. (laughs) Your life then, saints, is to reflect. Your life is is to model who our God is, and when people ask about, ooh, what is up with you? What are you all about? You say, God. And you give them the gospel. That's the reason, saints, that our good works do not bring glory to us. They only bring glory to God. The second way we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is by living a growing life. A growing life. After Paul says that we ought to bear fruit by doing good works, he says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. What this means, saints, of the Christian is to strive in their advancing, or their, their advancement in their knowledge of God. Strive in their advancement in their knowledge of God. We've been blessed with a gift, saints. And hear me now. We've been blessed with a gift. What's this gift? God has given to you a higher light. To believe something that you didn't believe before and to believe something that many of your unsafe family members or friends don't believe, take advantage of the light that God has given to you. That you can read this book and understand it. The way in which God wants us to understand it. It's not just a history book. That these are the words of life. Saints of God, hear me. Hear me now. If it starts with five minutes a day, Read your word. Just read five minutes and that's fine. Build upon that. 
two minutes if that's what it takes. Build upon that. Do not, do not, do not, saints, take advantage of what God has given to you. This light. There's so many people that waste their talent. So many people. So many friends that I have known that were great athletes wasted talent. So many men, women that are intelligent waste their intelligence. Saints of God, will you waste the light? Will you waste the Holy Spirit that indwells you? This doesn't mean that you need to read every single textbook. You don't need to read all a million volumes of John Owen and everything from Thomas Aquinas. You don't need to do all that. If you need to, then that's fine. But read God's Word. Read what He says in His Word about you, about Himself. Increasing in our knowledge, saints, is not just to fill our heads up. Learning theology never, ever, ever is meant to fill our heads up. But rather, knowing our God better is always for the purpose of living for our God rightly. John Davenet says, Wisdom so also directs the operation of virtue. So sight does the walking faculty. Take away sight and no one can walk uh, aright. Take away wisdom and he cannot be fruitful as he ought. In other words, saints, how will you know how to live unto God if you don't know what God says in his word? So saints of God, let me encourage you. I, I don't need to give you uh, so many, I don't need to say this in so many ways. Read God's Word. Read His Word. Study God's Word. <clears throat> Ask the Lord. And I'm not speaking just to you, saints. I'm not. I'm throwing myself in this hat and I'm the first one. We are to give, or ask the Lord to give us such a hunger and a thirst for His Word that we can say like Job, I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my portion of food. Do we do that? Can we say that about us? Saints of God, next. The last two. We walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is by living a strength in, a strength in life. A strength in life. Jeremiah thirty two seventeen. O Lord God, behold, you yourself have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing's too difficult for you. Saints of God, Living a strengthened life simply means this. It's to lean on the Lord. Always. Lean on the Lord always. When times are good, lean on Him. When times are bad, lean on Him. Lean on the Lord. Allow the Lord to strengthen you. Saints of God, look what, look what we just said. Bear good, bear fruit. Read His Word daily. You can't do that by yourself. Ask the Lord every single day, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me, not just my physical needs. He's going to take care of you. Not just for your financial things. He'll take care of you. That inner battle. That inner man. Strengthen me. And lastly, lastly, Paul says that the walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is by living a thankful life. A thankful life. Saints of God, the psalmist says in Psalm 32, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Saints of God, are you thankful? No, and I, I mean honestly. Are you thankful? Not about your kids. 
Not about your marriage. Praise God for those things. Not that you have a car, house, job. Those things are fine. Food. Are you thankful that God saved you? Like, when you really think about it, like, when was the last time you've contemplated saints? You just sat for five minutes and said, man, God, where would I be if you didn't save me? Oh, how light He's made the burdens of life as, as, as I... As, as I have let him take upon my, my burdens. Are we thankful, saints? I find that Christians, not you, not, not, none of you here, but many Christians, one of their biggest Achilles heel is they have spiritual amnesia. They just forget. And maybe they don't forget, but they don't remember well. Saints of God, we need to have a good remembrance. A good remembrance of what God has did for us. What God did for us. The gospel is always to be at the forefront of our minds. We are to be, saints, the most thankful people on this earth. We all should be a bunch of Dustins. Every single one of us in Dustin, that's a, that's, that is high praise, brother, for myself, because I want to be more like you. We need to have a character, saints, a character, a, a joyous character about us, saints. And many of you have that. In fact, all of you have that. And I'm envious of all of you that do have that because I want to be more like that, saints of God. And I want you to continue to be more like that and heighten the way that you are. Be more joyous. As Pastor Antonio said this morning, sing loudly, sing boldly. When you see someone smile... Because of what God did for you. I said last last week, um, if we were in debt, let Chase call us and tell us your debt's free. I'm gonna I'm gonna up your your balance. You now have an infinity amount of dollars. We wouldn't stop wearing a Chase hat and a Chase shirt. We wouldn't stop talking about Chase. We wouldn't stop trying to flex every single place that we go. But saints of God, think of what God has done for us. In light of that, are you thankful? If there's nothing that you do, saints, in your Christian life, it should be this one thing. Every single day, morning, night, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving a sinner like me. Thank you for giving to me food. Thank you for giving to me clothes. All of this is merely a donation. All of this is merely a donation out of the goodness of your basket. Thank you, Lord. Be thankful, Christian saints. Be thankful, Christians. As we come to a close, what we gather from Paul's closing introduction is simply this. The questions that we ask ourselves. Are we walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Are we Christians who are bearing fruit? Who are doing good works? Are we Christians who are striving to increase our knowledge of God? To know God and to live unto Him? Are we Christians who lean on the Lord for strength? And are we Christians who are thankful at all times? Saints of God, if you say, I am that, praise the Lord. Not to say that you can't be that. Praise the Lord that you, if you are that. And now further in that further in that. And if you say, you know, pastor, I'm not like that, then praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord for a sermon like this. Now, what do you do if you're not like that? Ask the Lord to help you. Pray. The Lord will answer those prayers. The Lord desires to answer those type of prayers. Saints of God, I hope that this was a great encouragement, but also a challenge for you, as it was for myself as I was studying. Because, saints of God, what we will learn next Lord's Day is going to be the great gospel that Paul was so, so indebted to. To give you a sneak peek, he says in verse 13, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Next, Lord's Day, saints, we will unpack the gospel of transformation. Let's pray.